Chapter 55 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. Lexington and Leone hailed King and Queen of Atvatabar. The extraordinary scenes attending the reincarnation of Leone had left me when I returned to my senses, exhausted with emotion. It was gloriously true that she who was the supreme goddess, she who had suffered death in the fortress of Kalnagur, had been restored to life by the powerful necromancy of the sorcerer and his college of twin souls. I rushed forward in presence of the entire congregation and embraced in turn the radiant Leone and the beloved Chaka. I took her living figure in my arms. She was in a limp, tranquil condition, yet happily alive. The happy priests and priestesses shouted with enthusiasm, Long live Lexington and Leone, King and Queen of Atvatabar! It was a blissful moment to us both. The future that had lain under the terrors of death now smiled again. I gazed upon my beloved's face with unspeakable tenderness. I saw that she smiled at me sweetly. Her apostasy was victorious, but who could have supposed that the martyrdom and reincarnation were the path to glory? She had exchanged the crown of the goddess for that of queen. Handing my precious burden back to Chaka again, I addressed the congregation as follows. Priests and priestesses of Egyplosis, Wayleels and Amazons of the sacred and victorious army, I thank you from the depths of my heart for your loyal salutation, but I particularly thank the grand sorcerer Chaka and you, his hierophants, for your glorious restoration of Her Majesty to life, king and crown, thus defeating the cowardly crime of the ex-king. By reason of our victory, their majesties King Bulmakar and Queen Toplissi of Atvatabar are deposed from the throne, and his ex-majesty, by reason of his great crime, is condemned to death. The causes that led to this revolution are already known to you. The time was ripe for a reform in Egyplosis. Regulation and not suppression will be our aim, and they who have helped us to this great conquest will not go unrewarded. After her tremendous experiences, the Queen will require a session of absolute rest to restore her to perfect health. I will entrust the task of establishing a reform of Egyplosis in competent hands, assisted by a council of your own representatives. The present crisis is too overwhelmingly happy to permit me to say more to you. On another occasion, I will thank you more effectively. The speech was received with enthusiastic applause. On a litter, supported by six twin souls, Leone was tenderly brought out of the temple. We departed amid joyful peans of music, our pathway being strewn with flowers. We reached the supernal palace and saw from every roof floating the flag of Leone in token of our victory. In her palace, on a couch of pale green velvet, lay the reincarnated form of Leone, filled with a sense of luxurious rest. The experiences of the past few days demanded a period of profound repose. Her face wore a blessed and triumphant smile. She had paid with suffering for that nirvana of joy. With reincarnation, or rather resurrection, had come a holier transfiguration of form and face. She was still too weak physically to discuss at length the great changes that had come to her, or to the history of Atvatabar. She was the symbol of the more sensitive souls of humanity, who, capable of intense suffering and delirious rapture, must needs purchase all their joys with heart-rending experiences. The culture that comes from agony is our most priceless possession and brings the soul to every feast as well as the body. The body, daily slain by suffering, is resurrected with a purer flesh and receives a reincarnated soul fitted for ideal delights. It has attained a measure of nirvana. It anticipates immortality by reason of suffering and love. 
Leone had more than all achieved an ideal existence. Before she would again be able to return to the realities of the world, it was necessary that time should be given to her for physical and spiritual invigoration. I feel neither pain nor fatigue, said Leone. My senses seem drowned in a delicious rest. You tell me that I have been dead and brought to life again, and although I have no sense of having passed through the agony, I must believe you. I remember touching a golden vase of flowers in my prison, and then all became blank until I stood with the grand sorcerer in the temple of reincarnation. That vase you touched, said I, was connected with a powerful magnetic battery which was placed in your apartment by the king's order to kill you. Grasnagalapas, leader of the king's Bokakids, on learning of his royal master's treachery, immediately transferred his allegiance and important command to our army, and was mainly instrumental in securing the victory. So our cause has triumphed, said Leone, and what has become of the king? The king, I replied, is king no more. I am king of Atvatbar, and you are my beloved queen. Leone turned aside her face and wept tears of joy. Our marriage, I added, will inaugurate the reign of a religion of wedded love, and you will sit with me as queen on the throne of Atvatbar. That will be glorious, said Leone, but I fear our marriage will also end ideal love and sorcery, and the divana of a hundred years, the fairest products of Egyplosis. Do you see now, I said, that ideal joys in the world can only be built on more extensive miseries? It would be a glorious thing to build houses of jewels, but so long as real jewels are so rare, we must be content with rocks. Still there are jewels, and in Atvatbar I learn they are much more abundant than on the outer planet. Therefore it might be proper for twin souls to walk on love's enchanted ground for a brief though definite period. Leone had undergone transfiguration. Beautiful as a spirit, her figure seemed plastic porcelain. Death had made more luminous the splendid sculpture of her face. As she spoke, it seemed to me that we had closed the door on the infelicitous experiences of actual life and were opening the gates of a more glorious day. I informed Leone of the arrival of the two vessels from the outer world and of the great services of Captain Adams and Sir John Forbes in turning the tide of battle by sea in our favour. She was delighted at the prospect of meeting fresh visitors from the outer world, and in due time Captain Adams and Sir John Forbes and their entire ship's companies stood before her, who was delighted with the fuller acquaintance thus made with the people of the outer world. Both the captains and their officers realised her ideal of exotic manhood, which combined stalwart proportions with intellectual benignity of face. Sir John Forbes was very complimentary in his praise of the grace and beauty of Leone and her associates among the priestesses of Egyplosis. He considered Leone to possess spiritual beauty to an extraordinary degree. The wonderful pale gold of her complexion was in marked contrast to the old gold complexion of the women of Atvatbar. He also praised the splendid beauty of Zuli Soas and Thobal, who were indeed magnificent women. My success encouraged the strangers to consider that conquest in the other realms of Plutasia would be an easy accomplishment, especially if armed with such weapons as those possessed by the sailors of the Polar King. But even admitting superiority of weapons, they thought it a marvellous thing that one small vessel with but eighty men could conquer fifty millions of people. In my own mind, I thought it possible that the Polar King might conquer still greater kingdoms, and that in time I might be Plutarch of Plutasia. But in such business, one realm at a time is enough. I suggested to our visitors that there were at least twenty realms, each as large as Atvatbar in this interior planet, that would give them opportunity for adventure. We also wish, said I, 
both the United States and England, to know that our ports are open for commerce and foreign trade is welcome to seek our shores. We have gold enough to enrich all comers from the outer world. The eyes of our visitors and their officers glistened at this intelligence, and well they might, for at Vatbar was worth a thousand realms like Golconda or Peru. We had wealth for literature and science, art and commerce, which rightly used would make at Vatbar the wonder of the ages, a realm of palaces and temples, the fountain of wisdom, the mother of art, and its commerce would make both the earths rich beyond the dreams of fortune. I was determined that the royal magnificence of the thrones of all time on either surface of the earth should be outrivalled by the supreme glory of that of Atvatbar. I knew there was an inspiration to human endeavour that magnificence alone can give, and would use my wealth to advance the happiness of humanity. Leone being at last fully restored to health, we determined to delay no longer the important ceremonies of our royal marriage and coronation, not only to complete our happiness, but to really establish the government on a personal basis, so agreeable to the wishes and customs of the people. Leone's aerial yacht was made ready for the journey to Kalnagur. It was large enough to carry the captains, officers and men of the Mercury and Aurora Borealis, the captain, officers and men of the Polar King, as well as Leone and myself and the great officers of state and retinue. All being safely on board, I gave the signal for flight, and in another moment we were launched on the air with tremendous speed. End of chapter 55